course, she was getting what she thought what she needed. You know how it is most times when, when we need something, rather than us going to God, we go to man. And see, man is a limited source. But God, his source is unlimited and everlasting, okay? So all she can see was the source, that source, which is man, because she identifies that source. Now, verse number 12 says this, and she says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank therefore himself and his children and his cattle? So her source was man. A lot of times when we got a need, we'll go to man before we go to God. <laughs> now, I, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I do. Can we be real in the house? <laughs> we will, we will go, to, go to man for our needs. You know? And with the sad part about man, man got a limited supply. <laughs> his, his supply is limited. Now, let's look at verse number 13. <clears throat> verse 13 in St. John chapter 4 says this. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. When you drink from the well of man, you're going to forever be thirsty. Forever be thirsty. Now, let's look at the well or the wells that Jesus Christ is speaking of or God speaks of. Now, if you don't mind, travel with me to the book of Isaiah. Now, keep your place in, in St. John chapter number 4. All right, go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number, chapter number 12 is where we want to go. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 12, okay, Isaiah chapter number 12, because what, what it's saying here is this, now when we're dealing with um, the whales that Christ speaks of, it's beyond what we can think or comprehend. Now, Isaiah chapter number 12, looking at verse number 3. Verse number 3 says this, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the what? Wells, with the S, of salvation. So there are many wells to salvation. See, there's an unlimited supply. Whatever you need. When you look at that word uh, uh, salvation, it has so many meanings. It, it, it talks about prosperity. It, it talks about deliverance. There, there are many definitions to the word of salvation. See, we think it's one way. But here Christ says, listen, there are many wells to salvation. So there is a never-ending supply of, for our needs when we draw from the well of Jesus Christ. But she did not understand that, that we have to draw from that, okay? Now let's go back to, to St. John. And let's move a little bit further. St. John chapter number 4. Going back now. He identifies and let her know, listen, you're drawing from the wrong well, the wrong source. You need to be drawing from me because I've got many wells you can pull, okay? Now, uh, St. John in chapter 4, looking at verse number 14. Looking at verse number 14. Now watch what he says. Watch what Jesus Christ says. He says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall, shall never do what? Never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Okay? The water that Christ gives us is in us. See, we have a well that's in us. 
Okay? It's, it's, it's an internal well that we can draw from. See, oftentimes we like to draw from things externally that are limited. But Christ said, listen, you've got that well on the inside of you. <laughs> and you draw from that well that's on the inside of you. It's eternal. He says, in him, a well of water. And he says, that well of water, it is springing up into everlasting life. It is always flowing. The well on the inside of us, if we're walking in the will of God and we're connected to the Father, it is always flowing. In fact, it is springing up. <laughs> That's why it's many wells. I mean, when you see God and, and, and we're in meditation with the Lord, you can rest assured you can draw every answer that we need for every, Oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. Every answer for every problem, every solution for every problem that we have, it is on the inside of us. Why? It's because the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. So the answers for whatever situation we're facing, it is on the inside. It's not external. It is internal. Okay? Now, going back, watch verse 15 in St. John chapter number 4. He, Christ identifies now where the well is. Now, 15, the woman says this. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. He said, listen, I, what I want you to do, <laughs> I, I want this water you're talking about because I don't want to come up, I don't want to come here and do this. See, she still did not get it because she had a confused mind because she did not understand things of, uh, of the spirit or eternal life. Now, uh, watch how Christ does in verse number six, uh, 16. I love how Jesus does because he knows how to go up in our stuff and, and, and shake us up a little bit. Now, verse 15 in John 4 says this. Um, Jesus said unto her, Go call thy what? Husband and come hither. All right, now he's going to go down. He's going to deal with some issues that she has because he has to reveal to her her deficiencies by drinking from the wrong source, okay? Drinking from man rather than drinking from God. Now, all right, now, verse uh, uh, number 18 says, For thou, okay, now, let me read 17. So the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, <laughs> I have no husband. Verse 18 says, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saith thou truly. Now, he points out to her, he, he points out that you keep going back and you're drawing from the, from the same well, you keep drawing from the same uh, source, but what's happening, you're not getting satisfied because you're drawing from the wrong, the wrong well. He points out that she has five husbands. Now, uh, you don't have to go here. You can, you can just jot this down. In the book of Hosea, in chapter number 2, verse number 16, uh, it, it talks about um, uh, Christ's name not no longer being called. When God said, no longer call me Baal, which means an idol, or it means master. But what he says, call me Ishi. Ishi means husband. So what God was trying to point out, she had the wrong husband. <laughs> she didn't have him, Ishi. Because God said, now, I, the word Ishi in, in, in the Greek, it means husband. 
So he's letting her know this is why you, you're, never, you're always thirsty, you're always uh, in need of something, always in want, is because you're drinking from the wrong source. I'm your husband. I'm the one that provides for you. You know, uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, he talks about how uh, the rich, the riches, the riches of glory. See, he has so much, all we have to do is go draw from him. But yet we would draw from man. But he had to point out the deficiencies and the reason why she was in a situation of always in want. Has anybody ever always seemed to be in want sometime in, in your life? It was always want, in want of something. It could be we're, we're drawing or we're, we're pulling from, from the wrong source. Because once he comes in, when Christ comes in, I don't care what it is, he will provide you with everything that you need. He will satisfy that thirst. He will satisfy that thirst. Now, okay, watch what the woman says. She's, she's just like mankind because it is man. The woman said in verse number 19, The woman said unto him, Sir, perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, here she goes. She's going on to something else. Once she realizes that he is identified about her deficiencies and what's going on and begin to tell her, because, see, they're total strangers. They are total strangers. Here's a man, but she recognizes the fact that he is a Jew. She knows what she is, but she knows there should be no reason why this man should know anything about me. He's telling me my life history. He's telling me my life story. Uh, it's something when God can come and tell you all about yourself, right? And one thing, he will, right? Amen. I don't know about y'all, but he tells me about me all the time. Uh, he doesn't tell me about everybody else. He tells me about me first. Amen. Now, going back to St. John chapter number 4. Now, watch how she directs the conversation from about her lifestyle. And now she's going somewhere else. You know, we love to change the conversation when it gets too hot, right? Now, if we get too hot, we'll change the conversation. So she, she, she changes the conversation. Now, verse number 20 says this. She says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Here she is saying that, 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 that you're saying, telling Jesus. Now listen, you're saying we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, a place of peace. But she says, no, that's not where our fathers worship. But what she was saying is what they did in the Old Testament. It's talking about a geographical place of worshiping. Now that's the thing that we need to correct. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I've heard it many times. People say, well, y'all need to come on over here to our church. Oh, we've got this awesome worship going on. That's location. Worship is not about location. <laughs> Somebody said, well, come on over here. We got all this going on. And this is, this is where God is. No. I, I remember most recently, and I saw it at the movies, and then I also saw it this week. I don't know if anybody saw the movie Lucy. And at the very end, what happens with Lucy, how, how she's at 100% with her mind capacity. And at the end, she gets caught up in this computer, and all, everything that she is goes into this computer, 
And when she, she is so close to where she's supposed to be and, and, and with God and in time, all of a sudden she, she dissipates. She, she disappears. Nothing is left there but her clothing. A question was asked, well, where is she? And here comes, a, there was a man holding a, a cell phone, and, it, and, and the message came forth says, I'm everywhere. In other words, what it's trying to say to all of us, God is everywhere. You cannot put God in a box. You can't put him in a place or a certain location. No, 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 no. We have just limited God. And so he was trying to correct her to let her know, no, no. It's not, uh, has anything to do with your location or geographical place where worship takes place. Now we have to identify where does worship truly takes place. I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> Because he's talking about worship, okay? He's talking about worship. Now, going back to St. John, chapter number 21. He says this. Jesus now is speaking. He says this. Jesus said unto her, I love what he does. He says, woman. That's about like with Adam and Eve in the beginning when he, he, he want to identify Eve. You know, he just called her woman. So he says, Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. So he's trying to get her in the right mindset because she was in a confused state of mind. So, you see, when God shows up at our and knocks on the door of our hearts, a lot of times he's trying to get us out of that mindset that we're in. So here he's getting her out of his mindset. He's telling her, no, worship has nothing to do with locale. Okay? Now, Verse number 22 says this. Watch what he says. Ye worship, ye know not what. See, God is the object of our, our worship. Remember in Hosea uh, chapter 2, verse 16, when he talked about him changing his name? Now, the thing is that the, the other word, Balaam, he said, no longer will you call me Balaam. That means oh, idol, my idol. You see, a lot of times our object of worship it's not God. You know, we, may, we, we can worship our families. We can worship our material things. You know, there's a lot of things we can worship our jobs. See, worship has to has a, have an object. But what Christ says to his disciples, he was saying to them, listen, the, or worship the only true God. That's why you got all these little gods they got out here now. <laughs> these little demigods is what I call them. Demigods. They got all these demigods. You know, everybody got their own God who they want to worship. No, it is the true and the living God. The true and the living God. He said, you don't even know what you're worshiping. Then he says in verse 22, he says, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, verse 23 says, but the hour cometh and now is when the what kind of worshipers? True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Hmm. And he says, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. See, worship is a matter of the heart. See, we have to understand that, that when we're worshiping God, it's, it's, worshiping God is like this. Praise is foreplay. Worship is intimacy. 
See, when you become intimate with God, it's just you and Him. And see, whenever we're, whenever we're intimate, then what happens is there comes a birthing of something. See, there's a consummation, and then all of a sudden, what happens is things begin to be birthed, okay? So worship is intimacy. If we have no intimacy with God, we have no worship. We can go through external things. And by the way, worship so much is not really about singing a slow song. But worship, sometimes, see, it's very rarely when you begin to enter into worship, what happens is this. When you truly enter into worship, you can be in the midst of whomever within the house, and all of a sudden, you're gone. You're totally gone. Even though your physical body is there, but because you're in a place with God, a place of intimacy with God, it's just like nobody else is there but you and him. That's that's worship. (laughs) That's worship. Worship is when you can lose yourself. Now, I'm not talking about acting crazy. Now, I'm not talking about that. Because a lot of, too many folks do that. You know, you know, you got to hold them up and all this stuff, and they didn't hit the head all across the table, whatever. No, no. When you get intimate with God, and when you, when you, when you can think on the, even the, the words of the songs that, you, that, you've been, that you're singing, and all of a sudden you lose sight of everything around you, and all it is is you and God. And you go to another dimension. And let me tell you about worship. When you hit that spot, you do not want to come back. You, you do not want to come back. That's why sometimes it's so rare. Because it's just like when you, when you get there in that place of worship, you want to hold on as long as you can. Because, see, when you come back here, you've got all this other mess you've got to deal with. And there's no way you can go into worship and not be changed. People say, well, I've been to church, and then next you know, when soon they get there, they're cussing. They, 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 they send a whole lot of stuff that are, are doing the things they ought to not to be doing. But whenever you enter into worship, worship changes you when you're in the presence of God. It, it, it changes, okay? So, so he's letting them know. Now, it, it, it's not by a, a locale. It's not geographical. Worship is intimacy with God. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Now, now, verse number 24 says this. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, the, only the spirit knows the spirit, the spirit. So we have to worship him in spirit. Even though we do some external gestures, true worship is on the inside. See, that spirit lives on the inside. Now, let's look at Psalms 29. Psalms chapter number 29. Psalms 29. Yeah, Psalms 29. Talking about worship. Talking about worship. You know, the truth about worship. Psalms chapter number 29. And we about, we're about done. Psalms 29. The truth about worship. Psalms 29. Psalms 29. Looking at verse number 2. It says, Give unto the Lord the glory... Do unto his name. Then he says, Worship the Lord in the what? Beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Like, wow. Worship him 
and the beauty of holiness. Now, holiness is not wearing a long dress and all that stuff. That, that's not holiness. That's, that's, that's not holiness. Holiness is, is when you're in the deepest place of humility. You see, when we have God living on the inside, and that is, that is where he resides, then it is expressed in our lifestyle. It's, in, it's the deep part of us in humility, okay? He says, worship him in the beauty of holiness. Worship, the way of worship is how, how humble, because you're in the presence of God. See, when you want people to see God, you have to humble yourself so they can see God and not see you. Now, let's look at Psalms 99, Psalms 99, and then talk about the next place of worship. You know, we've got to be humble in the deepest place of humility, okay? Now, Psalms uh, chapter number 99, looking at verse number 5. Verse number 5 says this, Exalt ye the Lord, exalt ye the Lord. Lift up, build up. Jesus says this, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Sometimes we have to wonder why there's not a lot of people being saved in this dispensation of time. It could be the wrong person is being lifted. Because he says when he's lifted up, he will draw man. When you got to lift up an individual, a man or a woman, in the place of God, got a problem. Because Jesus is not being lifted up. I'm not saying do not respect the leaders of the house. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. God is God, and he's the one that we exalt. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Whenever we present anything to anybody, we have to make sure Christ is in the forefront. We don't want them to see us, because us is nasty, hmm. Stinky. I, you know, I want people to see Brenda. Thank God for the blood. <laughs> I want them to see Jesus Christ. So this is who we got to exalt. You know, not my pastor, not my church. We have to exalt Jesus Christ, the one who is the source. You know, he, he's the one. Then watch what he says. Exalt ye the Lord. We're back to Psalms 99. Our God. And then he says, and worship at his footstool. For he is what? He is holy. Worship at his footstool. For he is holy. That's awesome. In other words, when we begin to go into the worship, that intimacy with God, we, got, we have to reverence him. We can't see him, but yet we can see him. The Bible says, how can you say you love God whom you've never seen and you hate your brother and sister that you see every day? 